Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am Stacey Francis, your host. And today I'm going to be speaking with Priya Royal. And she is a wonderful trust and estate attorney. Actually, in the top two and a half percent of, of all trust and estate attorneys in the District of Columbia. She was recently named a rising star by Super Lawyers and is here today to talk to us about narrowing the wealth gap. She talks about the ins and outs that women need to know to protect their assets, in particular if they are walking away from their marriage with millions in the bank. Because while it is a significant sum, it brings a significant responsibility. She talks about the maze of trusts that are out there and dissects them and really breaks them down into understandable terms to help you understand that a trust is your friend and it's really not as complicated as many of us fear. She also shares at the end how you can protect yourself if you get remarried, making sure that your kids are protected and that your assets are there for them. And you can also start your new life with your new spouse. There's so much more. Please tune in. We're so excited to have you here. And please help me welcome our wonderful guest, Priya Royal. Priya, it's great to have you here. I love your background. You've done so many things. And I'd love to hear, how did you get into estate planning? And, and the other thing I read, which I thought was just fascinating, you worked for the IRS as a tax attorney. And I can only imagine the things that you have seen. You know, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Stacey, for inviting me to this podcast. Tax has sort of been the big sign that has led me into going further into the practice of law. I would be considered, considered what you call a math brain, which is unusual for a lawyer. And when I went to law school, it was because I had a sense of justice and I wanted to help the people who were generally underserved, predominantly women and minorities, being a first generation immigrant woman myself. And the area of sophisticated estate planning, which involves a lot of tax considerations, brought the two, the math side of it and the legal justice angle together perfectly. Mm -hmm. So I uh, got my LLM in tax and then... Um, I started, I dabbled in litigation and then went into exclusively practicing trust and estates law, which works itself into business entrepreneurship and things of that nature because that all comes into asset protection. Worked in larger firms in New York and New Jersey and then went into the IRS as one of the very few selected to be an IRS estate tax attorney auditing even billionaires' estates, which, yes, as you correctly pointed out, I have seen some very interesting things with some very interesting public figures, even. <laughs> so, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I imagine uh, you're you're a great person to sit down with a cocktail and talk. I mean, you would obviously have to change names, but and, and also <laughs> kudos to you because you know you were chosen one of 25 individuals out of over 700 
to serve in that capacity. I mean, kudos to you. And and you're a woman and you are first generation. And I just want to say you're doing great stuff. And the path that you have blazed for yourself is beautiful. And a lot of the women who are listening to the podcast today on Financially Ever After, they're blazing their new path too. And they want to do the best thing they can possibly do for themselves and for their family as they start their life afresh. And many of them, and and what we're focusing specifically today, are individuals who have significant assets. They might have a million dollars, they might have three million, they might have five million, and they need to protect it, right? And they also need to make sure that if God forbid they pass away, that Mm -hmm. their ex-husband doesn't get this money, that it goes to the people they love and the people that they want this to go to. So Priya, what are the first things that she needs to do to get her estate planning in order? There are very specific steps that she would need to do to get her estate planning in order, but let me just touch on a couple of base concepts on the fact that estate planning is necessary for everyone, especially when they're going through a divorce or just after a divorce. I have provided pro bono services to women who are victims of domestic violence, and we create a trust. And usually the trust, the concept of a trust is uh, nebulous, and folks think that they don't need it unless they have massive amounts of wealth. It's a way of protecting. So before I get to that, in terms of estate planning, ideally, whatever estate plan was in place prior to the divorce should have been considered and what, and not the movement of assets, because that's not allowed legally during a divorce, but changing some of the people who would manage and handle the estate. So managing the administration of an estate after a person passes away, the executor, invariably most couples, they will name each other as the executor, the trustee, the person who manages any trusts that are created. And a woman is going through a divorce, she would want to change those so that in case she happens to pass away, gets disabled so that the power of attorney needs to be in effect, things of that nature. You don't really want the ex yeah, managing because, those assets. Yeah, because yeah. normally it's our ex, it would have been our husband that was our executor. So if we passed away, you know, he would review and, and make sure that all the assets were distributed the right way. And often we're naming our ex who would make healthcare decisions for us, healthcare power of attorney or power of attorney, a financial power of attorney that could actually pay your bills. I mean, these are all things that you need to get him name his name off there ASAP. But a question that some women will have, though, is if, who do I name then? If, if obviously he's not the right person now, like your sister, maybe um, another close relative, maybe a really close friend, would those be people that could serve as your executor, as your health care power of attorney and to fulfill some of those roles? The important thing to remember is I tell my clients that they need to name somebody they trust as the executor or the trustee, or if they have no one or they really can think of someone, have a co-trustee or co-executor or the sole trustee or the sole executor as a professional institution. So it depends on the assets, types of assets and how much net worth you're talking about. But generally a friend, a sister, a neighbor, anybody who's an adult, can mm-hmm. competent adult can be named as an executor trustee to manage those assets. And they definitely do not need to be beneficiaries. One of the important complications there is that for women who are getting divorced and their family-owned business interests, you definitely want somebody who understands the business. And even if 
you don't think the person you trust that you want to name does not have the knowledge or the ability to manage or handle those affairs, they essentially would hire a law firm such as you know my own law firm. We would stand in the shoes of the executor and lead them through the entire process. Yeah, I think that's important. So, you know, when you're looking at who would serve as your executor, it doesn't have to be a friend who happens to be a lawyer, you know, a state planning lawyer. It can be someone that is competent, that's trustworthy, that is organized. And God forbid you do pass away. They're going to be led hand by hand with an attorney to know what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do here? So we talked about an executor being that person again to distribute the assets and make sure that all debts are paid and all of that. And the trustee is the person who you would pick to manage a trust. And so what's interesting about a trustee is often when you think about managing a trust, the first thing you think is, well, this person needs to be, my friend needs to be a financial advisor. But that isn't necessarily true either. They can work with a financial advisor who manages it as co-trustee, or they can hire that firm to manage it on their behalf. So know that the world is your oyster, right? To be able to choose these people. But talk to me a little bit more about, we've talked about the executor, who needs a trust? You just talked a little bit as, you know, when you were introducing yourself that there's the myth, the misconception, the ultra wealthy, those individuals who you were looking at their tax returns and auditing in the billions and billions need trust. But it sounds like trust can be useful really for anyone. And what would you use a trust for? Absolutely. So the a trust is essentially a vehicle that gives you know women like us especially control. And it lets us protect everything we care about beyond assets, our relationships, the things we care about, our children. So everything comes down to making sure that the the people who are most important in your life and the things that are most important in your life are essentially able to be legacies and reflect all the things that you would want them to be, right? So it's a it's a, a trust it's a vehicle for doing that. And exactly as you pointed out, Stacy, the trustee needs to be somebody that this person trusts and who understands what the intent of the trustor is when they created this trust. And the trust is really for everyone. As an amusing example, rather, when I was pregnant with my first child, when most of my friends were buying onesies and cribs, the first thing I did was sat and created an irrevocable trust for my children. I funded it with $10. Again, going back to the fact that when you create the trust, you don't really need to have assets that you've thought about what you'd put in. That's where the financial advisor comes in. That's where your Mm -hmm. investment manager comes in. And they are the people who will manage, grow, and ensure that the things inside that trust are protected from a financial standpoint. The lawyer creates a trust so that your interest is protected. If a you know a woman has to go through a divorce again, there is no way that that would be considered part of her assets if it's an irrevocable trust because it's no longer for legal purposes considered income or principle she can reach out to. But we can put in terms where it can be invaded for the interest of the beneficiaries or maybe the children for health, maintenance, education. So essentially everything she would want to do in life and take care of her children, she can do through the trust, but still keep it out of a divorce, away from creditors. The other type of trust is a revocable trust, which avoids probate. So you don't have to go through the probate court and a long process to distribute assets. And it also allows distribution and creation of mini trusts where things are going to children so that they're not getting a sudden $2 million 
shaking yeah. their hand if something happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you bring up revocable trust. And, and the way I remember the difference is one is revocable and you can take things in and out, in and out, super easy by, you know, filling out a form. And we actually just set up a revocable trust. We have a house up in Vermont and that house doesn't really have a beneficiary. You can't put a beneficiary on a house to go to our children in the same way that we can do that with an investment account or a retirement account. So we put that house in our revocable trust and what ends up happening when we pass away, that then immediately goes to the kids and it doesn't have to go through probate. And what probate is, is it's a legal process of a judge going through reading your will and making sure that everything's distributed, which sounds like it's an easy thing, but I know in some states, particularly California and some others, it can take upwards of a year. And I've even heard worse. So that revocable trust is is really just to make things easier on the end when you unfortunately pass away to make things easier for, for your heirs and that it's in a trust. And then the irrevocable, I think about it as more of a, a one-way street. You can't turn around as easily. You can, as long as you don't get caught by the cops. But you know, it's more of a one-way street. But I, I wanted to talk about the irrevocable trust because this is a trust that, again, protects your money from potential second divorce, which we know many of us get remarried after a, a divorce. But unfortunately, then, you know, the success rate for second marriages are, are actually lower than first marriages. And we want to be smart because we want to make sure that that money goes to our children. So how much money do I put in a trust? And can I use it for my own living expenses? Or is it now locked up in a lockbox, even away from me? So what does that look like? So with an irrevocable trust, there are different types. And I, I just want to touch on both for the irrevocable and irrevocable trust. One of the things you're asking about is how do I ensure that these assets are protected for, in addition to hopefully not, but for a possible second ex-spouse, in addition to granting that, making sure that your children will get those assets, is that you can also put life insurance and retirement accounts into these trusts. So a 22-year-old child doesn't end up getting a $3 million life insurance check. <laughs> and it's yeah, that would not be good. But with the, uh, with the divorce protection, ideally, the amount of money that you would put into an irrevocable trust would be whatever is in excess of what you estimate you would need for your living expenses. And you would keep those outside of an irrevocable trust. You probably okay. put into a revocable trust to avoid the probate issue. And when you do that, flexibility can be built in so that you change the beneficiary. So if you have a child from a second marriage, you can now add that child back in. You can The house in Vermont can be specifically given to one particular child, or you can tell the trustee, hey, sell this house and give the proceeds and this proportions to these children. That house in Vermont can never be touched by any future spouses. That's mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. a, an example. But I can still live in the house. I can still, you know, go up there for my my ski weekends and and everything. So it sounds like essentially you have a lockbox that you're putting this money in, but that you have the combination. And so you can open it up. And if the terms are flexible and written the right way by your attorney, you can use some of that money for living expenses, income. You can change the beneficiaries. Let's say you have another child or, 
you decide not to give it to one child. So there's a lot of flexibility with it. But what I'm also hearing is that if you've got $3 million to live on and you're 55 and you're not working, Mm-hmm. that you probably don't want to put $3 million in that trust. Absolutely. You, no, you don't want to put $3 million. I, I just want to, as a point of clarification, you technically, legally speaking, cannot live off the funds in the trust for it to be completely protected. But if you have children, then you can do it for the benefit of the children. You're probably going to take a vacation together. You're probably going to be living in the house together. Okay. So you're technically pulling money out for them. But if you pull, let's say, just income from the trust, that will be deemed to be owned by you, and that can be subject to a divorce proceeding to the extent of the income, but the principal will still be protected. So, okay. so there's a lot of flexibility. How much? So again, if you had $3 million and you wanted to put most of it in there and still keep the rights to the income, that would work because otherwise maybe you keep about a million dollars outside and invest it outside, and then about $2 million, you put it into the revocable trust, let it grow. If some disaster happens, and the trust completely loses value, or for some reason you need to unwind this trust, which is called decanting, then you can essentially terminate the trust or have it kind of pour over into another trust that actually meets your purposes even more accurately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is where your financial planner comes in, in or in, in terms of figuring out exactly what assets and how much should go in and what the growth potential yep. is. Yep. The designing of the trust itself is done by an attorney and what type of trust, incorporating charitable interests, incorporating limited income rights. You can do grant or retain trusts where it's like you have the, you recognize the income for a couple of years and then it is out of your estate. So that gives you time to build up whatever you're trying to build up and have more assets. So there are significant strategies that work from yeah. both a tax perspective and a life perspective. So. Yeah, and I, I love that you ended your sentence that way because Priya, you're, it's really, there are so many options that can support you. But I, I think the key here is that you need to work with a reputable, sophisticated estate planning attorney. And that understands these options so that you can lay them out like a buffet and say, okay, here are all your options based on what you're you're looking for. And here's my recommendation of what might work best for you. And I, I also like that you share that irrevocable trust does sound so ironclad of once I make that decision, it's stamped in iron, I can't change it. But what you're saying, Priya, is that's actually not the case. That if need be, there are there is a system and a process where you can take that trust, decant it, and put it into a new trust. And I always think about it. I had a beautiful bottle of wine last night from South Africa given to me as a present. It was so sweet as my my holiday gift from my staff at Francis Financial. And one of the things I did is I took it out of the bottle and I decanted it into another bottle. And we all know you do that because it gets a little bit more air in and then it tastes so great. But it's the same thing too with these trusts that you can you know decant them. And you know, I think that's really important for women to know that while the estate planning trusts in particular are a key tool that they can be using to protect themselves, to protect their assets and protect their kids so that they can go forward and live their life and have new relationships and wonderful relationships, but not have to worry about things going wrong and, and unfortunately losing their nest egg. Because for women, I mean, we're 80% more likely 
to live in poverty over age 65 versus our male counterparts. And I know you've done so much work in this area of trying to narrow the wealth gap, particularly for women. And for all of you listening, Priya created a wonderful, wonderful nonprofit called Powerful Progress, where really focusing on some of these issues. I'd love to just finish on that too. What would you say to the women listening? How do we narrow that wealth gap? How do we increase our assets? And we're still dealing with for every dollar that a man owns, women, their wealth is 32 cents. So there's a significant gap. What can we do as women to try and narrow that and make sure we're going to be okay long-term? I think the the key to, so powerful, thank you for mentioning powerful progress, because that goes to the key that's to build intergenerational wealth in marginalized communities, women being the big part of that. And the way the the most important way goes beyond legal or financial practice, which is that we have to support each other. We mm-hmm. have to share our resources. We have to share our expertise and bring ourselves together as by a community of women for women by women. And that comes back to doing the estate planning, doing the asset protection, doing the investment management with that eye towards, I want to have control. I want to support my community of people who are like-minded like me. And we are going to build our own empire, so to speak, where we are having the fair wages, where we are providing the asset protection, the the child care needs and supporting each other through life, whether it is financially related or not. And a lot of it is if we sort of say, well, I know these the secrets of my trade and we keep it to ourselves, then we are not helping all the other women. And that narrowing the wealth gap comes down to increasing the number of wealthy women who are passing down generations of wealth but wealth comes in more ways than money. With knowledge comes money and you have to transfer knowledge down the generation. So that's my, I guess, two cents on this, which is that let's come together as professionals, share our wisdom, share our knowledge, share the areas where folks need to know that there are advisors who specialize in particular aspects of things that they need control and help with and bring us all together to build each other up and we'll create a community that is ironclad, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I can't think of a better way to close our our podcast. And for all of you listening, we will make sure that we put in show notes, a link to Powerful Progress, uh, again, that focuses on narrowing the wealth gap so that you can check it out and get involved. And I just want to say thank you so much, Priya. This was really, really powerful. Probably one of the most complex topics that we've tackled here at Financially Ever After, but you've done it in such a approachable way. I really appreciate that. And I know for me, I'll be honest, I, when when someone says the word trust, the first thing I think is, you know, oh, it's going to be complicated reading through the document. Oh, my word. But you really have opened my eyes to that that isn't necessarily the case and that these are just truly a tool, a tool to use. They're baskets that hold your assets and most importantly are there to support you and hopefully support your family long term and i just want to say thank you so much any parting words of of advice and most importantly if you want to share your contact information and how individuals at financially ever after can reach out to you if they do have questions about trusts and you know who should be my executor and what this all looks like 
Sure. And uh, we have barely touched the surface of all the all the things that are possible. But the important thing with estate planning is that you don't need what is what you see on television as being advertised in estate. It's not some grandiose thing. It's essentially if all you have to your name is your favorite notebook that makes it your estate. So everybody needs an estate. The trust, trust the trust. It's your pocketbook or your purse that holds everything you care about that you wouldn't leave home without. And if people have uh, questions, I'm happy to share knowledge. I believe in fostering a community. Uh, they can reach me at the Royal Law Firm PLLC. My email is info, I-N-F-O, at royal, R-O-Y-A-L-E-S-Q dot com. Or you can call me at 877-780-8955. Or just send a contact form through the website. And That's great. everything goes under me. So I will, I will, it'll come under my view. That's perfect. And everybody listening, we will, uh, we have all that information in show notes. And so you can get the website, email, contact form, all of that's going to be right there. And Priya, thank you so much for being here and helping us start 2021 off on the right foot. So thank you again. Thank you, Stacey. I think it'll be a great year. And I look forward to seeing more women on the top of the game across the board. (laughs) Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with Priya Royal today, and she is a true change maker, making a difference, narrowing the gap between men and women, and setting women up for financial security. And I urge you, click on the link in the show notes on her fantastic nonprofit called Powerful Progress. They, too, are focusing on narrowing the wealth gap. And Savvy Ladies will be in the show notes as well. Savvy Ladies is a nonprofit that I started, my gosh, nearly two decades ago. And we've worked with thousands and thousands of women one-on-one pro bono, giving them the financial advice and support they need. But if you're looking for our ongoing wealth manager, please feel free to reach out. We are here to help you make your money grow to make sure that your money can pay you the paycheck that you need so you can live a healthy, successful, and financially secure life. Not only now, but also for the long term. Women are 80% more likely to live in poverty over age 65. And that's a statistic we've got to change. And that's why it is your responsibility to make sure that you are on the right path. So reach out to me and we will do that. Stacy at francisfinancial.com, S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com. You can also check out our website. It's actually quite lovely if you don't mind me saying myself. You'll get to meet some of our clients, hear a little bit more about what we do. Even more important, some great information in there for you to start to get educated and make really good decisions for you and your future. And you can visit our website at www.francisfinancial.com. Again, www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It was great to have you and we'll be seeing you in two weeks.